Welcome to Behind the Membership Season 4, Episode 4. And today I'm talking with George Reed all about his membership for Amazon-based businesses, the LaunchPod Academy. George started the membership 15 months ago after originally working for Amazon in the UK. And over that time, the membership has become the main focus of his business, accounting for 80% of his revenue. One of the things George is most passionate about is ensuring he is giving his members the best experience possible, meaning his retention, even for annual renewals, is great. In this episode, we're talking all about how George originally started the membership with his brother, but is now flying solo, how he is utilizing guest experts for creating content, and some of the new strategies he's trying to both get new members and retain his existing ones. And we talk about the interesting new model George would like to pursue in the future as well, plus much more. So let's dive straight in. Welcome to Behind the Membership with Callie Willows. Real people, real stories, real memberships. Today I'm joined on the show by George Reed from LaunchPod Academy. Welcome to the show, George, and thank you so much for joining me. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about your membership and how everything is going for you. Thanks, Callie. I really appreciate um, being invited on to begin with. You guys have been an incredible help from start of our kind of journey with podcast and um, podcasting with uh, with memberships to where we are now. Um, so it's, it's interesting to go through that with you. I'm looking forward to chatting. Awesome. And so to get us started, then, could you tell us a little bit about LaunchPod Academy, who it's for, what you offer, that kind of thing? Sure. So the Academy actually stemmed from, we're initially uh, an Amazon agency where we look to support brands on the Amazon marketplace globally um, and ultimately try and help them make more revenue, more profit and to build a more sustainable business, which stemmed from, so my background was I worked at Amazon in the UK. I left um, doing the day job and then just went privately. What I kind of noticed was I wasn't particularly enjoying the agency sort of vibe still felt like I had a boss in some ways um, and I also felt like I was it was a lot of it of the consulting I was doing it was more education it just seemed like a logical step to go okay well let's start creating some content add some structure to what we're doing here which allows me to obviously scale up um, the number of people I can take on and support so that's where we discovered um, it was thinkific to begin with. Um, we're now with now with the organized platform with with WordPress etc um, and the academy essentially looks to educate people on how they can build a sustainable um, successful Amazon business globally awesome and so how long ago did you launch now did you say so it's probably going to be um, the academy um, launched on thinkific about a 15 months ago. So we've just gone past this sort of year mark, I'd say, yeah. Awesome. And so you mentioned a little bit there about how you came to kind of focus on the membership model. What made you choose a membership over just doing a course or a coaching program or something like that? Sure. So in the space we work in, um, there's, there's two things that's very interesting. It's certainly you'll see a lot of course sellers out there at the moment and they certainly get somewhat of a bad rep. Um, I believe where it's kind of um, kiss me quick sort of thing. Let's get them over the line. It's going to be nine nine seven for the the year long course, and you provide the content, then you say goodbye. Um, and in the Amazon world, that's certainly the case as well. We do see a lot of that um, kind of black hat kind of um, course sellers out there. 
Whereas what we were looking for is to kind of build up stronger relationships with people. It wasn't kind of in our morals. It wasn't the type of business we wanted to run where we sold something once and then we're on to the next person. Um, the brother and I were certainly in this position where we liked to offer value. We liked to build these relationships. And, and ultimately, we enjoy the business model around that subscription um, and, and the the membership obviously gives us that. So that's something we, we really enjoyed. And, you know, it gives you a reason to keep turning up each day. Whereas with a course, you could quickly go, right, I've sold it. I'm done. I've, you know, slammed Facebook ads galore and I've made as much money as I can off the bat. But you've then not got really any reason to kind of nurture those, work those members over and over and try and provide the best experience. And that's what I think we enjoyed most about running an academy as opposed to a course um, and probably was partly driven by what else we were seeing in the marketplace for um, education on Amazon. Awesome. And so do you still offer other services and products as well or is the membership your full focus now? Um, so I'd say the membership is 80% um, of, of our focus and the other service that we offer involve kind of the academy members and what else we can bolt on. How can we can deliver them more value working on the premise that you know, we're already making profit off you guys. We don't need to rinse you for more profit over and over again. How else can we include something else in there? So we offer a um, an advertising service. So if you want to get more uh, visibility on Amazon's platform, you need to advertise similar to Facebook, Google, and all the others. It can be a complicated process. So we work with a team um, which I was connected when, with at Amazon, kind of bring this ex-Amazonian service to to our members, which is which is brilliant. And we can offer a really competitive price for that because we're not looking to make all of our profit there because we're already making profit on the membership. So that's one area we offer a service. For some others, we do one-to-one stuff, but we're shying away from it a little bit. We're not necessarily looking to do that. It's only when an interesting project or brand or individual um, kind of approaches us or comes and falls on our lap that we go, okay, that could be something we'll take on for three to six months. Um, what we're slowly looking to build out is other kind of bolt-on services, which could be photography, it could be graphic design work, it could be software to help them run their business. And that's what we're looking to do over the next three, six, 12, and kind of those two, three-year goals is how else can we um, how else can we add more value? We are looking to continuously bolt on new things. Um, and I think we're in a strong position now. We can offer great additional services. Um, and it's something we're looking to continuously build on. Awesome. So the membership is very much the core and everything else kind of expands on that to help people get better results, essentially. That's absolutely right. Yeah, it's our it's our primary focus, um, and obviously we switch between looking to recruit uh, and obviously looking to to retain, and that's how our time has been split over the last sort of year. That balance between the two. Um, so, at the moment, it is you know seventy eighty percent of our income comes from. Um, the membership so it's a valuable um, thing for us awesome and so you mentioned there the balance between kind of that attracting members and retention are you open all the time do you run launches how do you work in terms of actually letting people into the membership 
So we currently have a kind of doors always open policy. Um, and that, that's been working fine. You know, we, when we initially started, we were doing a lot of webinars, um, we discovered those. We had some brilliant success, um, really enjoyed them despite me doing it at 10 o'clock at night because of the time zone difference of me being in Australia and all the members being in the UK. So was always an experience, you know, you're sat there with a beer and they're questioning why you've got a beer on the go on a Thursday morning. Um, but that was a big focus for us to begin with is kind of accelerating up. But now we're looking at more of a kind of a steady doors of what's open and we're just nurturing people on our email list every time. We've not tried the doors are closing um, before. Um, it's something we'd be open to, but for the time being, we're just sticking with what we know. And so you mentioned there that your members are in the UK. Is that still the case? Is it very much a UK-focused membership or is it um, more international now? So I would say we've got around about 160, 170 members. Um, about 150 of those are going to be based in the UK. Um, you may then get around about 10 in Australia um, and then sporadic some random ones floating around. But all of our marketing is being in the UK. We've experimented with Australia and hit a few duds with some webinars we did. So shied away from it. And we also experimented in the US, but the competition's a lot more aggressive there when you're looking to get um, clicks on whatever platform you're using. Um, so I think we're we're really focusing on the UK. I think we, we resonate better with the audience there um, than perhaps we do with, with other cultures. Awesome. And so that's the practical stuff out of the way then. What would you say has been your biggest challenge with the membership since you launched? Um, I think I think for us, so uh, background that we discussed before was it was the brother and I, so when I say us, it's the, the older brother and myself running this academy together. I think the biggest challenge probably came down to us having different ideas of how we wanted to go about running it. And that was running the day-to-day in terms of what content we're putting out, but also what strategies we're looking to implement for marketing and recruiting new members. So we always collided as brothers brothers do. And we've done that from a, from a young age. And you can see elements of that coming through. So that's probably been our, our biggest challenge is we haven't had this clear um, vision that we both are aligned on. We kind of both had the same end goal, I feel, but how we got there was different. And that um, just became hurdle after hurdle after hurdle for us. Um, like we did struggle and we still do struggle with you know, getting, getting leads in. Um, our attention is pretty good, so that's not been a huge issue. So it's probably been getting leads in at a fair price where we know we can profit from them. Um, but the biggest one is that is that kind of uh, no clear clear leader would be the way to, to kind of describe it. Yeah, and I know you mentioned to me before we started this that you've now bought Tom out of the company. So are you feeling like now that that's happened that you can you can kind of forge that path yourself now that you're kind of running solo with things? 
Yeah, and that, that certainly is the case that Tom off, offered so much value um, because we split the academy up into um, social education in terms of how you're building out funnels and building out email lists um, and social advertising for your Amazon business. And I focused on kind of branding and the Amazon side of things because of my background. So we offered great value there for the members in terms of retention as well as offering loads of value because you ran all our Facebook ads. Um, and as I'm sure you guys know, that's quite the asset to have. So there is a kind of, I feel, taking one step backwards, which we're certainly doing. And the business is obviously going to struggle a little bit with the capital outlay of buying someone out, um, which it puts constraints in us over the next few kind of months or so. But all in all, I think that from my personal perspective, I feel um, having just one clear vision of what I want to achieve and how I want to get there, and I can still ask him for consultation should I want to and get advice and thoughts and tips, and that still happens. But there's one decision maker, and that is very much a uh, weight off my shoulders. Like you can ask the girlfriend as well the amount of times you get into bed and you just had a long heated conversation because of the time difference and you're like your head's just whirling around about how you disagreed another thing that's not happening anymore granted i'm still having challenges of okay what are we doing in terms of facebook advertising how's that working you're taking on more um but i think it is is a big weight off my shoulders personally yeah. And as you say, it's kind of like, I know you mentioned it was only recently as well. So you're still in that transition period, I would imagine, where you're finding your feet and getting into the groove of things yourself. But as you say, having that one clear decision maker can make it so much easier when, as you say, you know that end goal, it's just how are you going to get there, I think. Yeah, that, that is the case. Like the, our, our vision was still still the same. Like we wanted X numbers and X revenue and different kind of contributors, et cetera. Um, but now... Um, I'm not having to waste energy and time trying to convey what I think is the best option and him doing the same and going back and forth. We, we weren't stagnant. We're not stagnating anymore. It's just me on my own. I make a decision and it's going to take me time to ramp up and perhaps find um, suitable replacements for, for the value that he offered. Um, and there's going to be a bit of kind of costly mistakes I'm sure made there as I look to appoint someone else to run Facebook for argument's sake. Um, but still, it's the best decision I feel for the business going forwards. Awesome. And so what's been the highlight or your favorite thing about having the membership site so far? Um, that's a good question. I think one of the real pleasures I get from it is how is understanding and thinking about how I can make the experience better for members. And that's not necessarily like what I'm learning. I'm reading a book on it recently called Retention Point. Like it's not necessarily about just throwing more value in there. I just going, well, you had 20 hours of content. You've now got 60. It's three times as good. So you're going to stay three times as long. I think what I'm slowly starting to realize is it's more how do people learn? What do people need to make the experience for them better? Um, so I had a great conversation with another ex-Amazon chap the other day and he's brilliant at asking just the right questions he's like well why aren't people perhaps consuming all the content you've got and I was like it could be down to them not having time and then he's like well how can you save them time and it really kind of opened me up okay okay well let's start thinking of other ways that we can offer value for this membership by saving them time which is how we're on this software hype at the moment similar to how yourselves you offer this software 
not only great because it makes you stickier and it kind of builds value, but also great because um, it helps people save time. So that's probably the most enjoyable thing is just brainstorming ideas on my own, jotting things down, and also having the ability to be like, well, I'm still working for myself. I can go down to a coffee shop in Bondi and watch the surf whilst thinking of new ideas of how we can offer value to customers. So that's the biggest thrill for me. Um, and, you know, the uh, the financial reward is is nice and it can certainly be a lot bigger. Um, but it could also be a lot worse. Like we, we want a really good trajectory and we're, we're happy with where we are now, but it's not a financial thing. It's nothing like that. It's more, how can I offer value and understanding the educational uh, experience and how we can make it better and better. Awesome. So as we're on the, the topic, you mentioned already, obviously one of the things you love is creating that member experience. And you've you said that your retention is quite good. So what kind of things are you doing to keep members engaged and coming back month after month? Sure. So I think... To begin with, we were doing a lot of um, we were doing a lot of live workshops, and they were going okay. But we noticed like numbers dwindling a little bit, um, so we've paused them for the time being, and we're now actually working more on getting external people to who are thought leaders in particular topics on Amazon. Like it's such a broad topic, it's very difficult, and I'm never naive enough to assume that I know everything about everything there is to know on Amazon because it's just, it's impossible. So what we're working hard on now is bringing other experts into play, which is great because it it takes the load off kind of what I have to do, which is a thumbs up for me so I can focus on other areas to where I can add more value. But from a, a member's perspective, they're getting the top of the line people in a particular topic. So it could be tax advice, where I'm never going to speak about that topic as all because I'd never want to get it wrong and completely bugger someone's business. So we've got someone in to speak about it. If it's Amazon advertising, I'm looking at getting a number of real thought leaders who are at the top of their game in the Amazon advertising world to contribute um, and offer support. So that's one way that we feel we're offering real value. The other one we're working at now is we've just running a beach at the moment with clubs. Um, I was listening to something brilliant the other day about kind of creating those accountability partners. I think that's so big in Amazon. We can always get lost in our own little world running Amazon business. Um, and what they essentially said in this podcast listening to the day was if you haven't got a boss or someone else there holding you accountable, like by this date, you need your images done, then it can always drag on and on and on and on. So your listing doesn't convert like you'd like it to, et cetera. So we're looking to play with these mini clubs where there's a lot more trust and we're partnering people up together with the logic that you can start to hold each other accountable. You can kind of be the the group leader, but ultimately kind of Nick is holding Sue accountable for not getting her copywriting done that week. And it needs to be done by the Thursday when we're meeting up again. So that's something I think is going to offer a lot of value. I'm excited to see where they go. Plus, I think it will be, be an enjoyable process as well, um, just having these kind of mini discussions. So they're kind of two areas that I think are working well um, for us. Awesome. And so with those mini clubs, are you putting people together yourself? So you're kind of matching people up or is it a little more organic in terms of members joining clubs themselves and things? So for the beta, we're actually just running it based on a category, which we're focusing on grocery 
what's interesting about the topic is like it's a consumable product there's going to be certain tactics related to that so we have a discussion and we introduce ideas everyone can relate to those ideas um and i've made it an open invite if you are in the grocery category first 10 people to ask for the invite are going to be gained entry over time what i think will happen or i hope will happen is people will start creating their own and i'm going to encourage that as well um, so, for instance, it's going to be te- uh, electronics or it's going to be um, small and light items or it's going to be bulky items. So people start to form their own um, support groups because with Amazon in particular categories, you come across certain challenges um, and providing you've got that trust and it's not, I'm going to steal your product, which is one perhaps concern, which you will need to police, inverted commas, but um I think it will hopefully become organic and we just are monitoring these things. But for the time being, we're, we're going to handpicking it a little bit based on the category we choose. Awesome. And so quick question on, you mentioned you're bringing in guest experts now, essentially. So this is a question that gets asked all of the time in our academy. Um, are you paying for those experts? Are they doing it for free? How are you working that balance out with the experts? So it's, it's an interesting question. I've literally tried to pay all of the experts, but none of them accept it. Oh, really? Um, so yeah, no, perfect place to be. So these are like, with the advertising people, they're, they're two brilliant characters over in America, and they are very much top of their game. They run very successful agencies. But they're, in, in the Amazon world, it's slightly different. Like all consultants and agencies help each other, which... I'm pretty sure you don't ever see in any industry. Like I have calls with other experts around the world all the time. And many people go, you're chatting to your competition on a Zoom call to catch up. It's not logical, but I think the size of the pie on Amazon is different. So there's so much to go after in terms of market size. It, it's not competition almost. So the experts who are weighing in on our topics I do say, like, if anywhere I can remunerate you, um, please let me know. I do say kind of the, the members are there and you can display that your, your value to them with your posts and your content. And if they need additional support, I'm happy for them to come to you directly um, because our value is the academy. If they need um, someone to come manage their advertising and they can afford your your fees, then by all means, go wild. And the same token with the tax, same token with the photographer who can offer value there. So we're kind of, I guess, in some way trading access to a warm audience and a big tick from us that we trust them um, in order to um, come and provide value. So it's kind of a bit of a trade-off, which I think they say, um, is kind of the equivalent of getting paid. But at the moment, we're not paying them. But the downside of not paying anyone is you do need to chase them a little bit more. So, hey, could you put a post in again? Um, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, I'll do that. Hey, you haven't done it. Okay, well, yeah, I'll do it today. So there is that. And you haven't got any any waiting there. So that's somewhat of a challenge. And so it's interesting what you were saying before about the the Amazon market essentially and how you're quite often having calls with people that would be considered your competitors and things and it's quite a generous marketplace. Are you finding that's also the case in your community? Because I'd imagine that a lot of your members might also be selling competing products and things like that. So how does that work in terms of the community element? 
it's interesting. I think some individuals are taking time to warm up to this more um, more close-knit community. Some people are saying, here is my product, here are my things, can you review it? And they get the most value out of the experience because I can go in, do a quick Loom video and review their listing and it could take me 20 minutes and they're not paying the expensive rate, they're just getting it for free. And that's when they can really capitalize. Other people I think are still nervous about sharing this stuff and they're concerned that someone's going to kind of steal our idea and that's it gone. Um, so that's part of my job of how I can build that trust and open to ideas and that one. Um, but at this point in time, it's kind of a mix. Some people who are less active, obviously perhaps have those reservations of, okay, my products, they're very secret. Others, I just want to get as much help as I can. Um, and I'm not concerned if someone can see with the packaging I'm going for. Um, because ultimately if we've got 160 people, the likelihood there being a crossover is very small and the data is always on Amazon anyway. Like if they want to find a product that's there, you'd be stealing a slight idea. So it, with Amazon, it's the competition is fierce anyway. I don't think you need to be concerned about the other 150 people in this academy who can now see your product page or what packaging you're thinking about. Um, so it's not a huge issue. Awesome. And so what kind of content are you actually releasing? Do you have a regular schedule each month or do you kind of release things on a bit more of an ad hoc basis? So it is probably more of an ad hoc basis as uh, with the benefit we have with Amazon is like the ecosystem um, changes so quickly. Um, there are continuous updates. There are always new strategies. So my essential goal and what I do every single day is I'm just learning more and more about Amazon and I'm kind of batting away what I don't think is relevant or useful or good advice. And then when I see that a strategy is working really, really well, and I'm seeing a lot of evidence for that in all the forums, communities, chatting to people, I'm seeing it a lot. I then go, right, now let's create either a full course on that um, and break it down really cleanly or do you kind of quick wins, things like you have. Or alternatively, sometimes if it's a quick, very short, sharp kind of note, I'll drop it inside the, the community portal. Um, so I'm still balancing up of whether people prefer the kind of quick updates and quick Loom videos or something I've seen and putting it in the community or having that kind of bank of data in the library. So we don't have a, a strategy of we update stuff every single month. It's as it comes, if we discover something new, if we discover some value, fantastic, let's get it in there. Great. So if that's what you're doing for your members once they're in the doors, how are you getting in, them in the doors in the first place? What are you doing to attract new members? Sure. So traditionally, it's kind of gone away. So the, the most success we've ever had of getting new members in is doing a, a live webinar. And they were always live, never recorded. And that was about a year ago. They were really firing well for us. We were getting around about £6 a webinar registrant, which is pretty good going. And we were selling a course for anything from three to £450 um, for an annual membership. Not course, bad term. Um, so that's where we probably saw most of our success because we were converting a lot of people on these annuals. And the annuals are now starting to come through again now for the first year, which is great. Um, so that was probably the most success we've ever seen. 
we then obviously had built up a really strong email list as well. And we were continuously experimenting with um, kind of lead magnets such as PDFs um, or um, recorded workshops um, or kind of uh, mini courses. We experimented with a few. Um, and now what I tried last month or a month and a half ago is because we were facing some issues of getting blocked on Facebook as I'm sure lots of people are experiencing right now, looking at kind of the communities and forums out there. It's a big issue. So we had been pinged for, unfortunately, some of our main pages on Facebook, which we, I think we basically have like a, a, a hard block, which is preventing us from starting anything again. So I wanted to ensure that we had a robust system where if we needed to change a new to a new Facebook page, I didn't have to go change like 15 different landing pages. So I've set up a, a resource, I'm calling it like a resource subscription now. It's a free um, subscription. And I just take parts of the whole academy and I plonk them inside a separate dashboard just for them. Um, and the logic is we encourage them to become a resource member for free and we use the lead magnets as that kind of funnel. When they join that, they have like a series of courses or PDFs or cheat sheets or Excel templates, which they can use on a mini dashboard. My theory is if they're experiencing the, the dashboard and the kind of logging on to somewhere and all this nice content and what the user interface is going to be and the experience is going to be, that's going to be beneficial and it's going to be a much easier upsell because they're already on the page. So when we say, nurture series we're emailing them we've got a new quick training we think it'd be really beneficial for you we're looking to make them warmer instead of sending to a random landing page we're going oh it's in your dashboard you can see it here so they're going back to the same place over and over if they're going to that place that experience is building so that's what we're experimenting with at the moment and it's going okay um that's something i've kind of deployed since the brother left um but we're also looking now to start again with pdfs i think webinars have become a little bit too expensive from the glory days of the six pound we were getting before i think that's probably passed because they've been hammered by everybody so the price has gone up um so we're now looking to kind of experiment that resource and then some pdfs just essentially get cheap emails is our, our logic Awesome. And so with that free resource level, do you have things on that dashboard that also encourage them to upgrade to the paid membership from there as well? Are you showing them what's in the paid membership or are you doing it more via that email funnel? So it's a combination. So when they join the, the resource membership dashboard, we obviously encourage them to get onto the dashboard as often as possible straight away. So there's this here, there's this here, there's this here, and we're continuously pushing them to get on there. Once they're on there, kind of front placement is kind of the free trial, um, which isn't available unless you're on that page. So with everything else, it's that you start paying straight away, whereas here you've kind of got that free 14-day trial, and that's sat prominently there, kind of what you have here, but upgraded to this, this, this. So that is something we're looking to continuously upsell, I guess. Awesome. Awesome. And so let's switch gears a little bit now and talk about life as a membership site owner. So is it just you now? Do you have other team members helping you? How, how's the actual day-to-day -day structure of the business now in terms of getting things done? Sure. So I appointed another person to help out setting up some of the Facebook stuff. Um, 
through my, so I have an offshore team that managed Amazon advertising. They had some contacts that they put me in touch with to manage Facebook as well. Um, so I'm trading up that team a little bit of exactly what I'm after. Um, and then I've appointed a chap in the US to help with that process and help get the analytics really nailed for me so I understand the exact cost of a resource subscriber, of an email, of a sign-up, everything. That's really important to me. So he's helping me train up that offshore team as well. Um, and then in terms of other contributors, there's one chap I play who was at Amazon with me, um, and he contributes into the community as well. But ultimately, in terms of strategies, it's all on me now. Um, with regards to retention, what we're doing, new ideas, and then there's just a couple of other people who are helping me implement them. And that is a slowly building process. I'd like to pass all of the marketing on to someone else and for me not to think about it just so I can, one, live a more kind of free free life and not be chained thinking about what PDF we can come out with this month or what new lead magnet or what new strategy. Um, I'd like to focus on kind of one thing, do it very, very well which is servicing those members rather than thinking about all the other moving parts would be an objective for me. And so this might seem like a bit of a strange question, but you live in Sydney now, whereas you were in the UK when you set up the membership. And as you mentioned before, most of the members are UK based. Because that is a huge time difference, do you find that that impacts things like your customer service, times you have to do calls and things like that in order to actually be available for your members? Yes, it certainly does. Um, I think I've become accustomed to, so if members are booking in calls with me, which is something we offered when we did the initial webinar, kind of pay now and get a free consultation. A lot of those consultations are going to be in the evening for me, um, which I've just accepted. Like I don't see it as an issue. They have the whole of their morning to book a time in five days a week. So I don't think it's disrupting them too much. Um, in terms of response times, um, there is obviously some delays with those. And now it's me on my own and the brother's not there in the UK responding as well. Sometimes it can be a little bit um, delayed. Um, and I'm working to kind of make that better by working with the other person in the UK who was at Amazon with me to be a bit more active on getting, getting those responses in. But overall... We haven't really seen any complaints. For all council members, we are typically seeing the issue as cost or time. It was only yesterday one person came in, which is the first one ever to say bad experience. Um, and no further comments, but I've obviously asked. Um, but So I don't think we've had too much of a bad experience in terms of, George, you weren't there for us when we needed you. You made us have a call at 9am when I usually have my coffee 9 till 9.15. Like, it's, it's been pretty fine. Great. And so overall then, what impact would you say that having a membership site has had on your life and business so far? Um, so I think, I think for me, I, I love the freedom that I, that I have with it. Like I do have the office set up in in the sunroom at, at home, which is which is great. Um, and I spent some time kind of bouncing around coffee shops and whatnot. But I think for me, having that fixed place of work really helped. But in the same token, the ability to go away when I want and still run my business um, is absolutely fine. Like it's almost the ultimate test to see if I can do it by being eleven hours or nine hours ahead as it is. 
and you're running it day to day. So I know that if I want to go to South America and travel for three months for argument's sake, which is kind of on the roadmap for me and the, the missus, I don't see it being an issue because worst case scenario, like I've got to log in and have a call for an hour, it's not going to be a huge issue. So that's one of the biggest perks for me is the flexibility that I have not being able to move around a lot and not be fixed to the desk. The other is that recurring revenue stream is unlike any other business. I'm, I'm not ever really stressing about it too much. Um, and there's lots of opportunities for kind of upselling and cross-selling as well. So you've got these really nice warm leads, which I think, which I think is brilliant. Um, and I'm sure I could be capitalizing on it much, much more if I was either more intelligent or perhaps more driven, one of the two. Um, but overall, I think it's the subscription business works so well for me where you're a car customer and you work them and you retain them and you build relationships. It's what I, I think is a brilliant, brilliant model. And I can see so many other businesses switching that way. So I'm pleased to be getting into it early and also into the education because I just find the thrill of helping people go from I'm doing five grand a month on Amazon to now I'm doing 15 and I can either send the kids to school at a better private school or whatever the case may be you do get that thrill with that and I really enjoy having those conversations with the members and understanding those different businesses and the products and what they're doing with this that and the other and talking strategies so you are um, having better conversations in comparison to like the agency model where you are at the beck and call of your client quite often i feel the members as soon as i switch to the member model and people are kind of thank you so much for your time like they've obviously in some way paid for your time inadvertently but they're so much more appreciative grateful whenever you are commenting providing help they're very appreciative and it's just a nicer way to work rather than with a client, it's okay. It's I don't care what time it is there in Australia. Pick up the phone. We need to speak about this now. Like it, we don't have any of that with the academy. I think that's brilliant as well. Oh, I love that. And so, is there anything you actually wish you'd known earlier, or that you'd do differently if you were starting again? Hmm. What would I do differently? Good question. I think the biggest challenge for us, I think. We're still so early, like we're 14 months in. So I don't think we've made any like major mistakes. I think we're on a really good trajectory in terms of how we're developing it. It would be nice to be like, I wish I'd thought of the software idea at day one. So we could have incorporated that. Or I wish I'd thought of this earlier. Um, but kind of all of those things happen for a reason. I think the the biggest thing I perhaps would have done early on was when working with the brother obviously it cost us a lot of money to learn Facebook advertising like I was pretty flexible with it but he could be spending a large sum of money every month and I'm just like okay he's just learning he's getting on with it perhaps we could have looked at getting external help for that early on um but then the same token, it would have really constrained us a little bit because to get high value external help is going to cost a thousand, two thousand a month. So, and you're not necessarily learning with that. So it costs us a lot more money in the short term. Um, and we could have been a lot more profitable, or perhaps grown a lot quicker. Um, but I think the benefit of that was we learned so much. Um, the downside being the brother's now not part of the business and he takes a lot of that knowledge with him. But 
thankfully we're still on um, good terms. Um, and now I know I can kind of go, right, I want someone to look after that. I know I've enjoyed that experience of the brother looking after that for me um, and me not having to think too much about it. So I know that I need someone in place there to do that. But nothing, nothing major, to be honest, no. Great. And so if someone's listening and thinking of starting a membership site, what one tip would you give them to get them started? Mm, one tip that I give them. I think the biggest one that I'm learning is really focusing on becoming as sticky as possible. I always use this term sticky at the moment. Um, I think ultimately, like you can have a brilliant flywheel that's working one that wonders for you in the marketing kind of things and bringing in fresh leads. But if you're not sticky, it doesn't really matter. You're still going to lose money. I think the value is really in that retention and understanding of how you can become a crucial part of that member's life. Um, not only do you get a lot more value yourself from it because you're like, I'm really helping them, and that could be. Um, teaching the piano and they're loving the whole experience because they're getting better and better or it could be someone making loads of money on Amazon and helping their family just have a better life whatever the case may be so for me the biggest tip would be becoming as sticky as possible and understanding the different things that's going to make you stickier it's not always going to be create more content and like I've learned recently it's understanding okay you could have all the content but they're not necessarily going to consume it. Um, what else is going to make them sticky? What's going to stay them? How are you going to provide them that value? So the stickiness would be the kind of nailing that and you're in a really strong position. I love that. And I think that's such an important point because that is the big difference with memberships is that retention is as important, if not more important than actually getting the members in in the first place. But so many people focus so much on the getting the members in that mm -hmm. they don't they don't pay enough attention to well how do I keep them how do I give them the best experience and make them sticky so I think that's a, a really great point there about where you should focus that time and energy initially yeah and it is it's an energy thing like it's it's so easy to be swayed and be like oh we need to go get some more members we need to get some more emails and we would literally go from like one pendulum swing to the other side of like which one we were focusing on which wasn't necessarily healthy. It'd be like, right, we're doing a month and a half of getting new people and we'd be doubling down at that. And we just completely forget that there's people paying us money every month or every quarter or every year over here. Okay, well, let's just focus on doing a really good job with them, um, particularly with the annual. If you if you nail that kind of annual um, and the, the drop-offs are very, the churn is very low on the annual, you obviously have that additional funds, which you can then go use to um, to recruit new people. So that's something we've noticed recently. Like if your retention is really, really good in the annual because you've been so sticky throughout the year, it opens up loads of extra cash. You don't need to go back into the piggy bank again and pull out some capital. Like you've got that membership coming back in. So that's, it's such a big one. And it's, we're still learning that. Great stuff. And so, Last question then. I'd love to know what your goals are for Launchpad Academy. Where where does the membership take you in 2021 and beyond? What's it look like for you? So I have this, it's a silly little idea and it would potentially cripple the business, but 
I've got this view on education where are you familiar with kind of the AWS model? Because you guys use like S3, yeah. et cetera, right? So it's like you pay for what you use. So I think in education, that the whole model is actually flawed because you're always paying for something and you may only need 10% of it. So someone can log into my academy and know 80% of the stuff already, but they still have to pay for the 100%, even though they're only going to consume 20. So I think in an ideal world, what I'd like to establish and set up uh, would be an AWS-style model. So based on the number of times you log in, how much content you consume, how many hours you spend listening or talking to us would be the ultimate model for anyone who is looking for a learning experience. You go on holiday, you're not getting stung by a fee. Why should you? You've not even used it. It's like having a mobile phone and you've got a thousand minutes and you don't use any one month because you were ill for argument's sake. Here's your bill. It's not the most customer friendly way of doing business. And lots of people we speak to at the moment, they drop out because like, I just haven't used it for three months. So why should I pay you £47 a month? So you're like, mm, good point. It's not a good customer experience from us. In an ideal world, what I'd look to do is set up a kind of consumption-based pricing model um, and then make money on the back end with other services if they want them. And that's completely optional. So that would be an ideal world. I can't really do that at the moment because I'd shoot myself in the foot and throw away all my recurring revenue. But uh, it's, it would be an ideal situation that I'd like to get to where other, other services we offer for members are doing enough to make me a nice income which I'm happy with and I'm confident is going to be there for a long period of time to then go, right, let's make this switch, which sounds like a complete mess of a process, which it definitely would be, but it would be, for me, a a brilliant experience. Uh, Yeah, that sounds like a really interesting idea. I've not particularly heard people talking about wanting to do that approach before, so I'll be really interested to see if or when you implement that, how it goes for you and, and yeah, how that works. Because, yeah, it definitely sounds like an interesting approach that that could disrupt the market quite a little bit in a good way. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Like it worked. If you look at the kind of AWS's model and how they were born, it works so well for them because they're able to kind of sneak in with this new cloud service before any big players realize. So it would be brilliant to be able to offer it. And it comes back to kind of one of Amazon's leadership principles of just customer obsession. I think arguably I could be shot down for saying this on a membership podcast, but you could argue at all times is a membership always customer obsessed, perhaps on the financial side, not because we do take money from people that perhaps they never use a service. Um, it's still much better than many other models like courses. I a hundred percent think so, but you could even kind of go, are we always doing the best possible thing we could ever do for a customer? Maybe not. I don't know. It's a discussion anyway. Yeah, no, I think that's a really interesting point. And I think you're, you're seeing that that move a little bit now with services like Netflix announcing that if you haven't used your account for a year, they're going to automatically cancel you. And I think it's a year mm-hmm. and things like that. So as you say, kind of people making more moves as well to kind of stop people just continuing to pay them if they're not using something as well. Um, but yeah, I'd be really interesting to see how that goes for you. 
Yeah, well, if you've got any other tips, if you spitball any ideas with you and Mike, share them. I'm happy to to think of it. (laughs) (laughs) Will do. And so if someone wants to check out your membership, check out your website, see what you're doing, or even join the membership if they're an Amazon seller, where's the best place for them to find you? Simple domain is launchpodacademy.com. Awesome. Nice and easy there. And um, yeah, I'll put the link to that below the podcast in the show notes as well. And so that is it. I just want to thank you so much for joining me today, George. It's been absolutely wonderful chatting with you and hearing all about Launchpad Academy and how everything's going and and your plans as well. It's um, going to be really interesting to see how things go for you over the next year. Thanks a lot. And I appreciate um, everything you guys do too for us as well. Like we're certainly in a better position since we've joined joined the membership guys. So thank you as well. And thank you for having me on. That's all for another episode, folks. Thank you for listening. I hope you've got some useful nuggets from this episode. And as always, a big thank you once again to my guest, George, for sharing his experiences. Be sure to check out launchpodacademy.com for more from George. And if you'd like to get that link plus the transcript and show notes for this episode, then head over to themembershipguys.com slash btm36. One of the things I particularly love about George is his drive to constantly look at how he can tweak and improve things further for his members. And it's clear that he is passionate about delivering as much value as possible. What was your biggest takeaway from the episode? Let me know over in the free Facebook group at talkmemberships.com. I'll be back next week with another episode of Behind the Membership. See you then. Music